Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. And joining us today is the absolute king of the hill at WFN, Evan Roberts, the, the, the chief known Nets fan out there in the media. Evan, how are you doing on this lovely evening we are having on a Wednesday? How are you, sir? I, I'm okay, but I am the king of nothing, okay? <laughs> I, I do not proclaim to be the king of anything, but I appreciate Just, the invite, and it's great to be here. Yeah, before we were talking, he was going on and on about being the king, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. know who's yeah. not the king right now? Kenny Atkinson. No. Uh, oh, jeez. Oh, sorry. On, yeah, so we, I had to, I reached out to Evan. Background story here because this is a crucial moment. I mean, there's a lot going on right now. We're, we're talking at 9.17 p.m. on a Wednesday night, and a bunch of uh, crazy stuff has just been happening across the NBA, across the world, across America. But what we're talking about is uh, Kenny Atkinson being fired from the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Evan, I'm going to start with a very basic question. Now that we've had a few days, days to digest it, what have what have been your feelings and what is your feeling now about the Atkinson thing? So you see, when it first happened, I think we all had the same opinion, which is shock. We were stunned because uh, as much as we watch the games and as much as we follow every maniac on Twitter and everyone who covers the team and we listen to every word Ian Eagle says and Ryan Rucco says, <laughs> none of us, none of us yeah. saw this coming. So I think the first thing you've got to do, and I collected my thoughts on a Saturday morning, and I happen to have to go on the air a half hour later, so I didn't exactly have a lot of time to yeah. let it marinate in my brain, was to get over the shock of it. And honestly, the disappointment of it. Because I think as fans, we have this, this vision of how the winning is going to occur, this mm -hmm. vision of how we're going to be on the float, and who we're going to be celebrating with. And I think over the last few years, despite my issues with him, despite my rotation questions with him, despite my can you call a freaking timeout at the second half of game two as the Sixers are running away with the game, despite all of those issues, Kenny was one of ours. Kenny was one of our guys. Yeah. He was the coach of this team. We envisioned him being the guy that was going to lead this team to the promised land. So I think the first part that I, I occurred was disappointment. But as time has gone by, this is a cold business. This is a cold freaking business. And at the end of the day, what the three of us have in common and everybody listening right now has in common is we want to win a freaking championship. OK, mm -hmm. we waited a very long time for this. We have been teased with this. And clearly, if Kenny doesn't have the support of the key players on this roster and was losing even the trust of Sean Marks, then he couldn't be the guy. So, yeah, yeah disappointment. The story didn't work out the way we assumed. But as the days have gone by, I am thinking about, okay, fine. Now, who's the right guy to lead us to the promised land? Because I want that promised land, just like everybody listening and you guys want that promised land. I, so I also went through like the 12-step the thing that you did and started with <laughs> denial. And, and, and I've now gotten to the place of acceptance. And like ultimately, I, I think that it's you know, if I'm if I'm projecting next year and we're 20 games into next season and we're like you know, around 500 or, you know, anywhere close to that. And then the headline is all of a sudden, you know, we're firing our coach, you know, at that place, then the headline is more Kyrie centric and Kevin Durant centric than it is currently. So I think it's like actually a little bit, maybe this is conspiratorial or like I'm giving Sean Marks too much credit for his 4D chess, but maybe not. But I think if you're going to do it, you want to get ahead of that like headline phase or whatever. I don't know. That was sort of my feeling about it. You know what, man, you, what you got to do if you're Sean Marks. And I think we have grown to trust Sean because the guy's done a fantastic job. You know, he really has considering what he inherited and where we are now. We, we have to trust him and it's not about PR and not about, 
what's going to happen in November or December if the team's not off to a good start. I think he came to the determination, and we could all try to speculate on why he came to this determination, but he came to the determination that Kenny isn't the right guy. And I think it's fair for us and many to speculate that key players, star players, have something to do with that. I think it would be irresponsible not to. Star players have a lot of power in this league. We're in the player uh, empowerment era. So mm. it's fine to assume, and there's nothing wrong with thinking, hey, if Kevin Durant is standing up at a team meeting and questioning the culture of, ch- of winning inside that locker room, that if you're Sean Marks, you have to pay attention. So I, I hope that Sean basically came to the determination now, you know what, he's not our guy. So instead of waiting around, not thinking about PR, but instead of just waiting around, he said, Let's just do it because we know he's not the answer. I'm surprised he came to that determination, especially when he did, but he came to it. And so now it's on him to find the right guy. And I think what's so difficult to figure out is, well, who is the right guy? And I think that's the thing we're going to battle with over the next few weeks and months. Gosh, and I, you can already tell Nets Twitter, if Mark Jackson's the guy, there won't be a more unpopular hire in the moment I mean, yeah, I guess you could name like 18 million really bad people in the world. (laughs) Any Van Gundy's? Yeah. But like (laughs) any Van Gundy's. Well, I did do a poll. I did a poll on Twitter. And thank you for everyone who participated. Uh, Of all the people in the ABC ESPN broadcast booth, Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, Mike Breen, who would you want the most? And Mike Breen won. So he's, (laughs) and he's a basketball (laughs) Hall of Famer, if everyone remembers. He is the basketball (laughs) Hall of Famer. Um, But yeah, I mean, the next coach, and you know, so we were talking about like, the pivot moment, what's happening with the franchise right now. And I did this before we had a pod with Sham Sharania early in the week, and I did sort of like a monologue to begin it. And in it, I broke down how teams have won championships, the championship winning teams, how they got their coaches. And pretty much throughout all the NBA, the, the team that won the championship, the coach that brought them to the championship was brought on after they fired someone else super duper successful and then that new coach won a championship within year one or year two. Nick Nurse, obviously. Uh, people forget Steve Kerr was just the year after Mark Jackson. The Cavs in 2016, David Blatt was fired during the season and Tyron Lee yep, took yep. over. It very Not that this means that the Nets are going to win a championship, but there's a clear precedent in the NBA that if three guys at the top of your roster don't like the coach, it is a good move to get rid of the coach. And, I, and Sean Marks coming from Popovich, Pop was actually a guy who did this. Pop fired the coach that was in, well, the, he wasn't, Pop was an executive at the time. They fired the coach who was in San Antonio. They tank during that season. They get Duncan. Duncan's second year in the league. They win a championship with Pop as coach. So, like, there's lineage here. There's a line between Marks and Popovich. This experience, it's just throughout the whole history of the NBA. You fire a coach and you may win a championship. So it, it, I, let's, I'll take it if they, if that's what happens. It's, it's all really working, man. We, we, yeah, we're punking the Lakers and Staples Center, dude. It's, off to, it's already <laughs> off to a good start. It's this year, Jock Vaughn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, this is it. Jock's lead this to the practice. <laughs> and yeah, if you want I, to extend, oh, well, sorry, thought, was that, what was that, Evan? No, I was going to compliment you, bro. I thought the exact same thing because I think what we do as sports fans and even in life is we think of history and we think of, well, what does this look like? And there's a few that you left out, but I'm sure you've thought of it already. Like the Pistons, Larry Brown took over for Rick mm-hmm. Carlisle Absolutely. a year later, and they won an NBA championship. But you hit on some of the key ones, like David Blatt for Ty Lue, Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr. And look, it doesn't mean you and I and all of us think the Nets are going to win an NBA championship. I think what it means is that the outcry that we heard the few days that followed this, you know, people got to remember that 
yeah, it sucks. It's not ideal, but it's a part of history. And I don't know if this annoyed you guys, but what annoyed me is it's one thing for me and you to cry and complain or be excited about the decision to fire Kenny. I don't need to hear a bunch of people who never watch the Nets, who don't care about the Nets, they're basically Nick fans in the media, cry about how unfair it is for Kenny Atkinson. I'm sorry. Right. You and I are not crying about how unfair it is for Kenny Atkinson. We're talking about how do we win this chess match and win an yeah. NBA championship? Because that's what we care about. We don't care about being fair. And that's not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean spirit to Kenny. I like Kenny and I appreciate everything that he did. But you did a great job of pointing out that throughout NBA history, just recent times, and of course in the past, that sometimes the guy that kind of gets you to the level of being competitive isn't the guy that wins you a championship, like Mark Jackson, like Rick Carlisle in Detroit, like so many examples. And I mean, we got to hope that Sean Marks makes the right decision that mixes with the star players that they have, but you're spot on. And it's just, there's, there's always this reaction. Uh, let's defend the dead guy. Let's defend yeah. the guy that got fired. Oh my God. It's such a disgrace. You know, this is so terrible. The NBA, oh, how dare they? <laughs> <laughs> and just also at a practical level, like there are some serious statistical blemishes when we talked about this in the last pod, Mike, uh, we're like, you know, we were, we were one of the worst teams in the fourth quarter in the NBA. We're, we lose the most 10 point leads out of anybody in the NBA, you know, real like X's and O's practical basketball things that, Kenny was sort of unable to deliver on in a season where sure things are crazy and you know, people are banged up, but those are pretty glaring problems. I would say going into next season. Hey, hey you look, ask yourself this question. And I'm sure you guys have asked this a lot. Cause I've asked it to myself a lot watching this season in a year in which sure it's about next year, but we care. We're fans. Yeah. We watch every game. Why have they blown so many leads this year? And I always tried to figure out, you know, what's the reason? Cause we watch this team all the time. I get it that Kevin Durant hasn't played and that Kyrie Irving missed a chunk of time. Their record should be better than what it is. I'm sorry. I mean, if you yeah. watch them all the time, I think you know that. So why? And I'm not trying to tell you it's all Kenny Atkinson's fault, but to the point you just made, this team's blown a lot of leads. And you've got to try to look in the mirror and figure out why. Is it just the roster? Is it just that they don't have a superstar player to have the ball in the hands of in the final few seconds? Or is it more than that? And I, what I would say is, Kenny deserved part of the blame. Did he deserve enough of it to say he deserves to be fired? No, he didn't deserve to be fired. The Nets deserve, though, to find the guy that's going to get them to the right, to the next level. And maybe all of these blown leads that this team has had this year, you try to figure out, okay, are these things going to be fixed next year? Because we don't have a huge window here. You know, Kevin Durant's not 25 years old. Well, and what's interesting, though, is that so what are the Nets looking for in a next coach? Because, like, I think immediately after the firing, when we did our pod, so you had your show on Saturday. We did our pod on Saturday after that point, too, you know, when everyone was getting kind of swept up in the emotion of it all. And what Brian and I were talking about was that, like, are they looking for a tactician? Because what you could criticize Kenny Atkinson about was those, you know, end-of-game possessions where they were just hideous and ugly and nothing really clean happened. It was always like a Dinwiddie heave at some point. But I think what we're learning is they're not looking for a tactician, really. What they're looking for is really like a Doc Rivers-type coach. Like, they're looking for a guy who has strong communication skills, who is able to work with, I mean, I'll say stars, but really like all the players. Because what we've learned right. after the words is that Kenny, as much as we loved him, did not connect with certain players on the team, certain being Kevin Durant, though I don't know how you connect with him. Kyrie Irving, also seemingly hard to connect with, and he's been a tough guy to connect with. But, like, 
other players down the line. DeAndre Jordan, maybe Garrett Temple, though I don't really know if Garrett Temple's in it. Torian Prince, but is Torian Prince really <laughs> a power broker within the next locker room? I don't think so. So, like, wh- where, who is the guy or what's the style of coach that you think the Nets should be going after? Somebody that relates and can get the most out of – I mean, the most out of it probably isn't the right way to describe it. I think you kind of hit on it. The coach that's going to be able to connect with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Let's not yeah. let's not fool ourselves. Isn't that really <clears throat> what it's about? It's about the fact that the Nets were able to attract these stars, which, by the way, I still can't believe they did. I mean, I'm yeah. still <laughs> it's so, shocking. It is truly yeah. shocking. Yeah. Even when I see Kevin Durant on the sidelines, I say to myself, that, that's <laughs> yeah. not real, yeah. is it? Yeah. yeah. Or more when like he's just wearing a Nets shirt in practice and stuff. Those videos are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's insane. Yeah. But I think that's what it is. Um, I think it's the guy that's going to understand that Kyrie Irving is a little different and instead of butting heads with Kyrie Irving you got to find a way to get the most out of him and Ty Lue I know it's a boring choice because and it's an easy choice right because of the connection of Kyrie but he kind of fits that model in that he was able to handle LeBron James who you know LeBron James has had coaches go you know we've seen LeBron go through plenty of coaches over the years so I mean that jumps out at me as the thing that makes the most sense so I think the priority needs to be that. And that is you've got these two megastars who have very different kind of personalities. And I think you want the right guy to get the most out of them and connect to them in the best possible way. Here's the thing that worries me about Ty Lue is that he won a championship, right? Um, and this the, typically when you win a championship, you're a valued coach in the NBA. And he's not a head coach right now. So it it always makes me wonder because there's like things that guys in the NBA GMs like Sean Marks and others know about the coaches more than that. We could possibly know about them. And you know, like, so it's like, why isn't he leading another team? It could be any other team. And there's plenty of openings every, you know, summer. Why isn't he leading another team? I see. He's the guy that, that makes sense though. Mm -hmm. When you dive into the Ty Lue Kyrie relationship, you find that it was it wasn't easy like every other relationship that Kyrie has had that they had blow ups and they had times when Tyloo didn't even want to speak to Kyrie and Kyrie's famous for not speaking to certain people that he does know like standing in elevators the famous Boston Celtics story where he just wouldn't talk to assistant coaches in elevators which whatever that's Boston Celtics gossip but <laughs> I that's my worry is that like if Tyloo is good enough or so good then why isn't he now a head coach? Now that that would be my worry with him as one candidate. Mark Jackson's just a separate thing, you know. I don't want to slander the great Mark Jackson, but I'm I wouldn't be enthused about that. I think a lot of problems would still happen in terms of. I think it would be very much like dueling banjos type offense with KD and Kyrie. I I gotta ask you guys a question. Please. Mm. When you do when you do this podcast, are you checking out what's going on in the world around you as it's happening? <laughs> what's like uh, like uh like everything right now? The world's oh, crumbling. Oh Lord, uh, no! What's happened? I, Wait, because Rudy, break news. Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert uh, tested positive for the no. coronavirus, and Adrian Wojnarowski has tweeted that the NBA has suspended the season. Yeah, I just see Woj saying that now. Yeah, so as. As we discussed, uh, oh, both of the Brooklyn Nets in 2021. Oh, my uh, Lord. We, we are watching the end of the current season and the end of the world of this current NBA season as we know it. And oh, it's kind wow. of mind-boggling. Gobert has tested positive for coronavirus. And also, 
America's sweetheart, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, have tested positive for coronavirus. Nuh-uh. Yeah, they, they're tweeting it out. They're in Australia right now. Wow. Um, what a crazy uh, detour this podcast is. T- I mean, but it's not even a detour. This is like directly in line with what's been happening this season. So the statement from the NBA is the NBA suspending gameplay following the conclusion of tonight's scheduled games until further notice. The NBA will use this hiatus to determine next steps for moving forward in regard to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, how do you guys want to proceed? Do you guys just want to continue digging your heads in the sand and talking about the nets or (laughs) i think i think we may need to pivot to uh make this more tom hanks centric at this point um so what's your favorite tom hanks movie (laughs) wait so was that from his like personal twitter he just like i have coronavirus he he, he waited until the president spoke and then he tweeted out saying um he had this little message and long statement of how him and his wife had felt woozy there in australia they felt a little achy and they got tested and they have coronavirus wild you've got the utah jazz and i guess the thunder as well being quarantined in the arena in oklahoma city because of the rudy gobert news and what makes rudy look like a complete schmuck is the fact that he was playful about this whole thing where he was touching all the microphones during his media session. I think it was earlier this morning. Obviously, he was joking. Everybody had a good laugh. Like, ha-ha, that's funny. He's mocking the new system. He is tested positive for this. So, I mean, oh, my God. But but honestly, (laughs) you kind of do need idiots out there. He ended up getting it. So now he's proving that, like, hey, you can't just, like, F around with this crap. You know, like you can't just like go out there wildly and kind of like thumb your nose at like what medical experts are telling you to do, which is wash your hands and don't touch your mouth and do all that stuff. That's a very good way to look at it. I like I like your thought process. You're <laughs> saying, you. hey, let's see the schmucks publicly because that'll teach us all not to be as schmucky as yeah. the guy who did something really, really stupid. Really, really dumb. Uh, suspending the season. So that's so what that enters into is a territory of like. How long of a season suspension is this? They don't. They obviously don't know it. The thing that's interesting, once they resume play, and hopefully as a country, we obviously get over this, and this doesn't spread and get worse, even though it's probably going to get worse before it gets better, is the option of, look, the NBA is a sport that's played in arenas. You can literally play at any time. It's not like baseball where you need the weather to be nice. So mm. if you want and you can make the scheduling work, you could have the NBA season end in August. And it's funny because – Joe and I on the show two days ago, we were commenting on the idea that the Atlanta Hawks CEO had about, hey, let's change the NBA calendar. Had nothing to do with this, just in general, of it'll help our TV ratings if we start the season in December and we end it in August. And we actually talked about it for a while, the positives and the negatives to it. So that's something they could do where they just say, okay, we're resuming April 15th or whatever it is. We're just going to push everything back and we'll, we'll make the arena situation work. The other option, when they restart the season, these are your playoff teams and this is your seating. I'll get, we'll get back to coronavirus, I promise, all of our listeners. But Evan, you saw the video of Kevin Durant dunking, right? You That came out like yesterday. So there's a video for everyone who hasn't seen it because Durant told... So Durant's brother, Tony Durant, which sounds like what would be Kevin Durant's brother's name is Tony <laughs> Durant, um, put up a video on Instagram of Durant being guarded by Nick Claxton, Durant passing by him on the left and dunking the ball, as I said, like Tracy McGrady. And uh, so that got out there. Chris Laviano or Liviano uh, tweeted it out. It got a billion views, whatever. And I just want people to know <laughs> that if you can do that, if you're Kevin Durant, you can do that. That means you're healthy. So, like, just he's he's healthy. 
He's ready to play basketball. And when the season starts again, maybe he'll play basketball. Uh, coronavirus, real quick. I just wanted to say this. And I don't know what your reaction will be to this. And Brian, I'm sure you didn't see this. But Woj tweeted this out about an hour ago. And this was while he was sort of reporting on the discussions amongst teams about what they were going to do with the coronavirus. And he said several teams were willing to put the games on hiatus, but the rest wanted to move toward eliminating fans from arenas to continue playing the game, sources tell ESPN. One team, though, wanted to keep status quo until governmental or slash public mandate dictated change. Evan, did you see that tweet? And do you know what team that is? <laughs> I did see the tweet, yes. <laughs> I don't know if you're allowed to say New York Knicks. It was the New York Knicks. And of course, on as Twitter does, the minute that the Knicks get singled out in that kind of way, it lit a flame from not only people like us in Nets world who love to see the Knicks get singled out in such a humiliating fashion, but also Knicks fans who are like, we've had to suffer through this horrific season, the season that we thought was going to be Zion, Durant, and Kyrie. And now we we are capping it with our owner wanting his fans to be jammed into an arena together to possibly to possibly pass this virus amongst each other um it's a it's it's a fitting way to end the next season if this yeah. is that's it my, was my comment the most the most lol knicks kind of thing but the good news for the knicks fellas is that i think that story is going to be forgotten yeah. by the time you know like 12 <laughs> that might get buried that it's might get be buried. buried a little bit yeah. so that's the good news for mr dolman at least um, I was, I was, and like, I know this is a small thing. So I, the, the first team that was supposed to play in the NBA without fans was going to be the Golden State Warriors against the Brooklyn Nets. And I was kind of excited to see what that would look like. The presentation of the game without fans. I mean, it would have been, do they play music? Do they do this intro? Kevin Durant came out, reported that he was not going to come with the team once the fans were going to be there because he expected some type of video tribute, which I'm sure he was told by the Warriors was going to be, and he would want it to be there in the building to honor those fans. And he decided to not go now that fans wouldn't be there. And now the game is not even happening. Wild. Why? I don't know where uh, this goes from here, man. You know, you know what I was thinking this morning, fellas, I don't know if this went through your mind, but when they announced that this would be an empty arena game, I was thinking, wouldn't the greatest troll move be Kevin Durant activates himself for that game that night, saying, I'm ready yeah. to go. Oh, there's nobody here? A hundred percent. What can I do? <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Can, can we ask quickly, I, I do want to get on Nets coaching search for just a second. Does Jock Vaughn have any chance of being the coach? Like, does, I know it's only been two games. It may only, may only be two games. But is it like... Is, there's been precedent about this before in the NBA. Obviously, Ty, Ty Lu took over for Blatt, and he won a championship, blah, 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 blah. Guys have been interim coaches and have gone on to coach the team. Any Jacques Vaughn vibes, or is that just like there's no way to even know that at this point? You know, you I, I think it's, it's understandable that teams have that coaching bounce. You know, you make a coaching change, and there's a little bit of a bounce. We obviously remember Lawrence Frank many years ago after Byron Scott was fired. I, I was talking about this on the air today with Joe. Like, what would it take? What would have to happen for me to say, you know what, Jacques the guy, besides the fact that Kevin Durant just buys in. You know, Kevin Durant literally mm -hmm. goes to Sean Marks and says, I'm around this room. He's the guy. And obviously that can change a lot of things. And like I mentioned earlier, I mean, that's let's be honest, that's the priority. The priority is he's your best player and how he feels about the coach matters. I think if they whenever the playoffs occur in June, 
uh, wherever the first round is in July, whenever it happens. If they ever won a round, I think that's what makes things change. I don't even know if a tough first round series really changes things. So to me, a shocking run or Kevin Durant just fully buying in are the only things that could change the view on Jacques Vaughn. But I wouldn't, you know, the Laker win was great. I had a great time. They were they were also very fortunate. I mean, the Lakers missed a lot of open looks. LeBron missed the layup. Yeah. Anthony Davis, obviously, the open three. It very easily could have been yet another painful loss. So, yeah. and as that's I, I'm happening, not ready to buy in yet. and as that's happening, I'm thinking I don't know if Kenny Atkinson has the emotional uh, wherewithal to like continue to watch this team just so quickly after getting fired. But I'm imagining him sitting in you know like an armchair in Comac, Long Island, and watching this game. I don't know if he's from Comac and watching the game and thinking these MFers, I, I coached this team all season. We missed every big shot and the other teams made every big shot. And now they're in LA and my team, Spencer Dinwiddie hits a, a mid range jumper, a shot that I've explicitly told him not to take. And the Lakers, LeBron James, the greatest player of his generation misses a layup. And then Anthony Davis misses an open three. Like he must've been, like what is going on in the world that I am I everything that happened to me the ball bounced the other way and now Jacques Vaughn gets the position and it's going right for him. He must there be is furious. no there is no yeah. way Kenny Atkinson is watching that yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> there is no way. He, he is watching. He is catching up on This Is Us with his yeah. wife. There is no way he's sitting there watching. There's no way. There's no way he watches. There's no way he's a This Is Us guy. I think he's a CBS lineup. Uh, he's a CSI, NCIS. Uh, that's the only show that Young Sheldon. He's, he seems like a Young Sheldon fan. If I could pin one on anyone, um, you can't see you can't see him and Mrs. Atkinson crying when learning about how this happened with all the family members. I mean, I I see him as an emotional guy. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe we'll never know the answer to it. Yeah, he could be emotional. He kind of like another way to see him is like I, I kind of see him as like Michael Douglas in Wall Street, just like sort of in a big, big office, maybe one TV going on and, and just a stress ball or something, something like that. There's a version of that in there too. <laughs> uh, I buy it. I buy it. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, my wife just came into the into my studio and said a jazz player has coronavirus. Yeah. It's yeah. it's Making pinging rounds. all around. By the way, uh, Evan, uh, my wife was watching This Is Us moments before all this was happening, so it all like so. And you know what's funny? So was I before I did this podcast with you. <laughs> wow. Wow. Fantastic Perfect. show. All right. I, guess, I think we should just wrap it up because I don't know what else is even going to happen at this point. And yeah. any any final thoughts about, I don't know. Is there anything else that you felt like you've learned over the past X amount of days about Kenny Atkinson that like what the team did that makes any sense to kind of share here? What I've learned is a lot of non-Net fans really love Kenny Atkinson. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that over the last couple of days. No, I, I appreciate what Kenny did. And I, you know, I, I talk cold-heartedly as a fan. I think we all are. I do actually wish him the best as long as he's not the coach of the Knicks. I thought right. he was the right guy at the right time. And he developed a lot of players on this team. And he deserves a lot of credit. And when I think of coaches throughout that history, and there's a lot of bad ones, there is a lot of coaches in the dustpan of Net history. I will think of Kenny in a very positive hmm. way. So I, I do have good thoughts towards him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's and, – and that's what I think. It's so strange to see a fan base upset when a coach is fired. When a coach is fired, it's usually relief. And with the Nets fan base, people were upset because we've gotten so attached to Kenny because of his role in taking this franchise from – the absolute bottom in basically all of American professional sports at the moment when he got hired 
and with Sean Marks and Karis LeVert, Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell for part of that, uh, took it to a team that is acceptable for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to be here. And so it's a strange reaction for fans to actually be this upset. No one was this upset when Mickey Calloway got let go. You know, I was but upset for, for Lionel Holmes, man. I, I felt, oh, that, I, I felt that right in the gut. Yeah. Yeah. Lionel's tough for me. All right, well, guys. One well, thing, one oh, thing sorry. I've realized, I, I'll make this the final, the parting word from me. The, the one thing I've realized is people love to feel bad for those who are fired of teams they don't root for. Because I heard from non-Med fans, oh, it wasn't Mickey's fault. They won a bunch of games. It's the bullpen. But you don't hear that from the fans of a team. So uh, I, I will certainly be careful the next time, you know, some team fires their coach and I try to kind of swoop in from afar and talk about how stupid <laughs> that team is for firing that coach or manager. Right. All right. Well, Evan Robbins, you can hear him on WFAN Monday through Saturday. <clears throat> is that right? Monday through Saturday. That's correct. Monday through Friday with Joe Beningo and Saturday by myself. I appreciate the plug. Thank you. Yeah. Sir. Also, uh, also a podcast. That's very good too. Recommend and a that. podcast that I yeah. randomly do whenever I feel up to it. So thank I, you. I really I like your it. I like the WWE content. That's where I'm going for that from now on. I gotta get back into <laughs> there it. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us, Evan. Thank you, fellas.